0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Business of Digital podcast, featuring your hosts, Matt Siltola and Dave Rohr. Hey guys, excited for you to join us on this latest edition of the Business of Digital podcast. We have a special guest for you today. Uh, please welcome Ruth Carter. Hey, Ruth, uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Very well. We also have Dave. Got to wave at Dave. How's it going, Dave? I am doing well. Virtual waves. Quiet. The cats are quiet, so it's all good so far. <laughs> all right. Well, just to to let our listeners know, uh, Ruth is an attorney, writer, speaker, and just overall geek. And and I'm and I emphasize that last one because I have been geeking out over just kind of our conversation before we've just even begun to record this. So, so I know you guys are going to love this uh, episode. We're going to be jumping into all kinds of uh, legal matters you know Dave it's funny Ruth because Dave and I we're always telling people you know don't take what we're saying as legal advice we're not lawyers this is just what we do but we actually have someone that uh, can well not not that you're giving legal advice but someone that is actually in the legal profession and so it's kind of fun to to have you on here but uh, before we really jump in anything maybe just kind of uh, give us a little bit more of a longer bio some of your background and then we'll just go from there
1: Absolutely. Uh, so yes, I am a licensed attorney based in Phoenix, Arizona. My, woohoo! Pr- woo-hoo! Uh, my practice focuses on business, intellectual property, and internet law. Uh, I've written three books, including the legal side of blogging: how not to get sued, fired, arrested, or killed.
0: All good.
1: Uh, yes, and and I I love being in a position where I can help people in a way that they can't do for themselves um, and helping them be in a position where they can come to me with their crazy ideas and I can help them find a way to bring it to fruition.
0: Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you again, taking some time to be with us and, and for letting our learners uh, or our, uh, our listeners learn from you. And so let's just go ahead and jump into it. Um, Dave, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you um, if you want to just jump in here and, and uh, start with the first topic and then I'll get the next one and we'll go from there this is the probably the one I'm most interested in
2: because I have not done this so I need to look this one up but um, Ruth you have already started to teach us about IP assignment and what that is and why a blogger you know any sort of business really should think about it on yeah this was fascinating levels.
1: Yes, um, I am definitely a a huge fan of content creators having Uh, Certain content or contract templates in their arsenal and having an intellectual property assignment is a huge one Um, Now before I jump into this you've given your disclaimer. I have to give mine Um, I am a license. I am a licensed attorney, but until you are paying me I am NOT your attorney. So today this is general legal information not legal advice If you need legal advice go hire someone, please so when you create intellectual property, um, and you want to give it to somebody, like whereas they become the owner of that that trademark, that copyright, that content, you need what's called an intellectual property assignment. It's a type of contract. It must be in writing, and if you don't have it, then you have not acquired. Um, that IP. So a lot of people assume because they've paid for something or they have an email where someone says, "Sure, I'll make your logo or I'll write this blog post for you," um, they think they own the IP, and without that assignment, they don't. And that yeah, th- can... this...
0: well, sorry. To... Yeah, this was fascinating for me to hear because I mean, I've I've literally been in this industry and and had businesses uh, online since 1999. And you know, this was one of the first times I'm hearing this specific thing. So it's fascinating. I know I'm not alone.
1: Oh no, I run into this all the time that people assume that because they paid for something and someone sent them a file that they own the IP and they don't. And it runs into huge implications Uh when people are claiming that their rights have been infringed. And the first question I ask is, well, do you actually own the IP? And if they can't produce that written assignment they don't own it
0: wow that's super interesting so um i don't know if there's anything else that you want to talk about with uh, intellectual property or what people need to do to protect themselves um is there is it is it for any
2: type of content so it doesn't matter if it's a photo something written um something graphically like an infographic
0: or Ooh, good question.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like I'm just thinking about all the types of content that we, you would produce. So if a photographer takes photos of my food as a restaurant owner, or if I was to hire, you know, Avalanche to create an infographic for me, I don't own the IP of any of that stuff unless I have this document is what you're saying.
1: That is correct. The law treats all wow. copyright the same. Uh, so i That is the issue. If you have paid for it, but you don't have that assignment as part of your contract with the person you've hired, you don't actually own it. At best, you have what's called an implied license to use it based on your discussion with the other person. But uh, in terms of the law and actual IP ownership, it remains with the person who created it unless you have a contract that says otherwise.
2: And for someone saying, well, who cares? What what can ramifications be? <laughs> possibly. I know I know that's an open ended question, but so so say, you know, a photographer goes, No, you can't use that, you know, I, I know I took it for you, but now you're using it in a national campaign and I want you to pay me. Or is that is that something that's possibly could happen?
1: Yes. At, okay. it, it is. I run into that and I, I talk with clients about how do you want this to end and that tells me what I need to do to help them get there. So if somebody was hired to create photos for one project and then the client turns around and uses it in a way that wasn't part of their discussion, that could be infringement and the client could send a cease and desist letter, could send um, a bill to say, hey, like you're going beyond the scope of your implied license, you need to buy another one. Or they could sue. Um, it's up to the copyright or IP owner to decide how they wanna respond to uh, suspected infringement. And a lot of people assume that the first volley will be a cease and desist letter or something to that effect. But it's not always. Some people start by filing a lawsuit.
2: Wow. And Matt, I think that would be a good segue. I'm gonna skip uh, one and we'll come back. But the uh, my most expensive story of this example is using an image without the proper um, copyright. Mm-hmm. And I know you have some other examples too, but um, what year is it? Is that 10, 12 years ago? I may have um, been looking for some images for a blog post, and I found some really cool ones, and I went and you know was on I think Flickr at the time or something, and I was you know doing my due diligence, and I was at the time actually looking at what you know what the copyright was. Can a business use this? Do I have to pay them? Do I need to just you know give credit? What do I need to do? And I somehow posted or pasted into my Excel the wrong link or something and Went and used an image I wasn't supposed to, and after all of the lawyer fees and after paying out for the use of it and still having to take it down, um, I think the total was between three and five grand in in, in fees and and you know whatnot. Just because we used an image that I honestly thought I could use, but I was and, that,
1: wrong. and that happens. Um, and I was totally wrong. Right, <laughs> and, and when people. You know, I mean, you at least were trying to do your due diligence. I run into people who. Just don't care and they're just like "Eh, I'll deal with the problem if and when it happens and for those people I say all right well how big is your rainy day fund Um, because I've seen people be sued for six and seven figures um, in these types of situations so um, there and there are people out there who still think they can use any image they find online through like a Google search Um, or something like that, and just, hey, hey, it's on the internet, so I can use it, right? And for those people, I try to explain like, okay, Uh, and they'll say, oh, well, if you give a link and an attribution, you're like giving them credit, and you're giving them exposure. And I was like, well, Let's you know, look at it from the perspective, not from an image, but like your neighbor's car. Let's say your neighbor had a really cool car and they weren't driving it, but you wanted to give them exposure and let everyone see how cool their car is. So you take it out for a joyride around the neighborhood. You're giving them exposure. Um, we also so, call that Grand Theft Auto. So
2: you're saying I can't do that because my one neighbor has a really cool Mustang. I really love it.
1: <laughs> you, you know, I'm I'm not your lawyer, but if you want to do your own experiment and see what happens, good luck to you. Um, so, I, I, yeah, somehow we we ended up in a society where we we really understand that you can't use your neighbor's physical possessions without permission. We call that theft. But when it comes to things like images and other IP we haven't applied the same ideas. And so people think, I can use it, I'm doing them a favor, I'm giving them exposure. It's like, no, that's not how it works. It's up to the owner of the copyright to decide if and where their images will be displayed and who gets to use it. And we, we even saw that recently. Um, sorry to get political on you, but Trump, I guess, was using Pharrell's song Happy in oh, yeah. his appearances. Whoa. And he sent a cease and desist letter saying, hey dude, like you don't have permission to use my song. That's, <laughs> that's mine. So you, you, gotta get a, you gotta get a license and he could and he, as the IP owner, assuming he is, um, has the right to say no.
2: There's been a bunch of that, especially political and I know not to get political, but there's been a lot of artists one way or the other, not wanting one side or one person to use it and um, going after them.
1: I've also seen the flip side to that, where people have been involved in the creation of uh, stock photos and where they gave, they signed a release saying, yes, I I know my photo is being used for this stock image. And so they don't own the rights. They don't have any rights to it and then somebody or some entity that they don't like uses that photograph um, Um. and then they get upset because it's their face affiliated with something they don't like (laughs) but it's like but it's hey that you it's a situation where you signed your rights away so you don't you can you can voice your opinion that you don't like it but in terms of having rights to stop it you don't
0: you know this is this is fascinating for me and it's something i've been thinking about a lot too because Um, I do photography on the side I'm, I'm, it's more of a uh, semi-professional hobby if you will Mm -hmm. Um, but you know I I, a lot of times I'm asked uh, by people at conferences that we speak at and you know the the search marketing type ones that Dave and I go to and uh, you know recently I was asked to take a picture um, for a colleague and I did and um she said she was going to use it you know for she needed a new profile picture and i'm like okay cool yeah that's fine and and i you know no charge or anything like that i i gave it to her but and all of a sudden i'm seeing this picture that i took of her like everywhere on um places um you know like she's speaking and it it's being used like on professional uh, more than just like a profile or what it was led to believe and again i'm not like a a person and I like this person I'm not going to go after him or anything but it got me thinking about stuff like that because in my mind I'm wondering okay well let's say down the road if I have someone that does that and and I don't like that person you know do I have any rights to go after them or do anything about that. <laughs>
1: This is when contracts are really handy to have, um, and I'm actually on the flip side of that because you're a semi-professional photographer. I'm a semi-professional model, or at least a hobbyist model, um, and so I sign model releases. I have actually written the I have actually written the model release for photographers that I've later signed as their model, um, <laughs> and I know I know what rights I give up, and, and because I when I write a contract I write it in the best interest of my client, and so when I sign. The model release that I wrote for them I know that I am like giving up all my rights in the photo and yeah. so if it ends up somewhere that I'm unhappy about tough
0: well, that, that's on, yeah, I that's
1: on me I, I signed it and <laughs> I know what it says because I wrote it
0: it's just fascinating for me but uh, we could probably talk about that forever but um, in the interest of time let's uh, kind of a segue into the third topic because you said something that, uh, and I can't remember who you said said it. Maybe you can get into it. But I love it. It's, it's that anger robs thought. Oh um, um, yes. <laughs> so these would be jumping into uh, Ruth's rolls if, if you could see me, you know, in, in my fingers in quotations. But, uh, and so maybe I'm going to have you jump into that. But before I do, kind of giving our listeners a segue, I I joke with you about this in the fact that I have a few people that I keep in my uh, circle. Dave being one of them, that when I really am irritated about something, like, unfortunately, he's my go-to punching bag, and I have to get it out before um, I write it down or I tweet or I do something. And so, you know, our conversation that we were having before we started recording was fascinating on this and and Ruth's rules, and, and I'd love for you to jump into that. But that's what I tend to do. I tend to have those people that I talk to and get it off my chest first before I can put it down there that anyone can, you know... Pin it to me later on. So why don't you talk about that?
1: Yes, this was a rule that was taught to me when I was a young person by one of my mentors and he taught me anger robs thought So when you're really angry you're probably not thinking as clearly as you would be otherwise. So you may do something that you will later regret. So the internet is not the place to vent that anger. That's why you want to have that that circle of friends that you can vent to and they will, uh, maintain your confidence and just give you a place to get it out or you walk write. Up, walk you off
0: that list. Or...
1: Exactly, yeah. or that, that's when you write emails that you never send and <laughs> or write blog posts that you save as draft and never publish it. Give yourself at least 24 hours to calm down <laughs> and then revisit what you're thinking, what you were thinking about sharing with the world and reevaluate if that's really the best way to express yourself. Because once you put something out there, you can never fully take it back. Um, and what was yesterday's righteous indignation, maybe today's regret.
0: Well, and that's something that I was you know, I was trying to explain this to, to my kids too. You know, young social media users. Luckily my boys, you know, have no desire for social media, but I have an eighteen year old and, you know, she grew up in social media and stuff and and one of the things that I you know, tried to emphasize to her was it doesn't matter if you have all your settings locked down in private or whatever, and you think that nobody's going to see this. You know, you it just takes one friend that you've pissed off or made mad that has screenshotted something or whatever to show it to someone else or share it or send it as a picture or whatever it could be, and and it could ruin you. And like one of the things that you were talking about earlier too is the the one tweet that ruined a person and stuff, and so. You know, no matter if you think it's safe or you're you're hidden behind a privacy setting or whatever, if you put it out there online, I like how you put it, you know, there's a chance for someone to see it no matter what the settings are, how safe you think you are.
1: Right. And legally speaking, there is no expectation of privacy in anything you post online, regardless of ah, platform or privacy settings.
0: That's super interesting. I did not know that. Huh. Very cool.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I, well, I just assume, and, you know, Carolyn has always taught the kids, it was like, if you never want something to bite you in the butt, do not write it down.
0: It goes back to that old saying, right? You know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say it at all. Well, it
2: was like, <laughs> she was like, if you have a problem with someone, tell them to their face. At least if you, if you really are that angry and not happy about something, and you tell it to their face, there's no proof long term that, you know, you are stupid and did something stupid.
1: Right. Certain, certain things should not be documented. Yes.
2: And that's kind of the thing. And that's why, you know, Matt will sometimes be like, you know, I don't, I, doubt, I doubt anything you have ever, you know, called me about would actually get you in trouble. But, you know, except that if you were to text me something about the Patriots, I might, you know, copy that. <laughs> and and I, that I would for sure screenshot, um, which uh, is, means he'll never do that. Um, nope. Oh, stupid Patriots. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, anytime, you know, and I think Ruth, you, you said it before, it was like, walk away for 24 hours, come back, you know, walk away, count to 10, do something, you know, have those people to talk to. But yeah, anytime you, you document something or fire off that email to your employee, your boss, your client, and then how many times have you gone, that probably didn't sound right because I was mad.
1: Yep, Exactly.
0: Very cool. Well, Dave, do you want to segue in us into the final topic?
2: Um, so we've kind of already talked about it, um, a little bit, but it was the, um, and Matt and I were just had recorded another session recently about this. And so I think it'll be interesting, um, to hear if the, you
0: completely destroy everything we talked about.
2: <laughs> not completely, but we're going to have to reference this, this yes. talk, um, or put this one first. Um, it's the, if, when you're creating a custom logo, you know, you kind of already touched a little bit about it, but it, it's not a trademark. Well, you don't own Well, one, you don't own it unless you get the IP assignment that we learned, right? but also that it's not um, it's not just it's not a trademark because of it, that its custom.
1: Right. So the situation was somebody reached out to me because they had had a logo created and they assumed that because it was custom created, that it had to be, that it was automatically original enough to be filed as its own trademark and without worrying about it violating someone else's trademark rights. And i had to tell them that's not exactly the case um it's if it's custom made there's maybe a stronger likelihood that it is original enough um to be worthy of its own registered trademark but it's not a guarantee if somebody else independently previously created a logo that was similar to what your independent contractor created If you register that mark or if you use it, you could be committing um, IP infringement and you have to be ready to deal with um, that cease and desist letter or that denial from the US Patent and Trademark Office if you wanted to register that mark. and a lot of companies don't realize that. And I have, to this day, I have yet to find a designer or marketing agency that says that they do searches on the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office's trademark database, which is publicly available um, before finalizing a project for a client to verify that it is likely not infringing somebody else's registered mark.
0: You would be proud of us, Ruth, because at Avalanche Media, we actually do do that, but we have kind of a leg up in it. One of my partners is actually an attorney. So because of that, I think that's the only reason we have that leg up. But it's- High five
1: for you. <laughs> thank thank you for doing that. I, I I much rather be in the position where I'm helping clients prevent problems than having to clean up the mess when everything goes wrong.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Well, and just think
2: about, um, like, the Apple logo or a bear or a hawk. How many ways can a designer create a logo that is any of those things when there's, you know, especially if you're a restaurant in, you know, by a national park that has bears. I'm sure every restaurant in that area is going to have a bear. Um, Or, you know, when you go up to Alaska, Matt, or when you go to Hawaii, everyone's going to have, like, a pineapple. Where everyone's gonna have, or everyone's know, going to have a Shaka sign or something. Yeah, or something. If, if you know, if, if most designers start from a stock photo or start from the same stock photo or the same similar stock photos, how much could that logo, even though it's been customized, be different than anything else?
1: Right. And if we're talking about completely different industries where no one's going to be confused, like Delta Dental versus Delta Airlines, like that's not problematic but if we're talking about people in the same industry like two uh, restaurants or i i don't know i mean just where where, where consumer oh yes we, we recently had a situation here in arizona where a brewery had to change its name because um it violated somebody else's trademark
0: well that makes me wonder how does Ray's pizza in new york city get away with it because it's like there's 50 different raised Pizza. <laughs> anyway well, I, you don't have to really answer that but right just made me made me think of that
1: <laughs> right well there's there's that may be getting into the difference between registered trademarks and unregistered trademarks because if you're not registered you only have rights based on your geographic markets so uh, there may be a, only be able to be one raised pizza in the new york area but you probably can't stop somebody in jackson mississippi from calling their pizza place raise gotcha as long as you don't claim an affiliation with you know, the New York place.
0: Gotcha. Very cool. Well, um, Dave, did you have any um, final questions or anything that you wanted to ask Ruth? No. Um, I think Ruth, if you want to, we'll,
2: we'll drop in some links and stuff. If there's one thing that you could quickly tell people to just watch out for that you see time and time again, I think we probably covered them, but what's the one biggest thing you think that a small business owner or someone that's creating content just kind of goofs which one of the things we've talked about or even not talked about
1: all right um i think the best way i can close out this podcast is to share my two rules of thumb that i apply to everybody across the board awesome. number one don't post anything online that you wouldn't put on the front page of the newspaper and number two assume everything that you post is going to be seen by the following four people your best friend your worst enemy your boss and your mother if you don't want one of those people think seeing what you're thinking about posting don't put it out there
0: very good awesome well thanks again ruth so much for joining us like this has been i mean seriously this has been awesome this has been A fascinating conversation. So, again, thank you for for joining us.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, guys, thank you, you everybody, for listening to us, all our listeners. Uh, For Ruth Carter and Dave Rohr, I'm Matt Soltola with Avalanche Media, and we will see you guys on the next podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks.
1: Bye.